0: Welcome to the Positive Spiritual Living Podcast, brought to you by Unity on the Bay. This is your positive path for spiritual living. You know, it's, it's, yeah, amen. It's really interesting how um, circles just sort of happen for me. Um we are actually reading and doing our talks based on the four agreements. And over 10 years ago, the first year that I began working at Unity on the Bay is the year that we used it as our in-home small group study uh, program. Um, And I really fell in love with the message, the four agreements. And a few years before we did that, back in 2005, Don Miguel Ruiz Sr. was with us, and it was in the 90s, I believe, and Up until 2005, I I, I kept hearing just how amazing that event was. And then just a few years ago, we had Don Miguel Ruiz Jr. with us, which was also a phenomenal event. So I'm going to really, really invite you to join me on Friday, May 6th, when we actually have both of them um, that are going to be here. And it really is going to be a wonderful event. And I really want us as a community to really get it. Because what I've been recognizing in the 10 years since we first read the book is that although I really grabbed onto the four agreements and thought that they were wonderful new ways of being, I haven't necessarily done such a good job of keeping them at the forefront of my mind. And I think that if we do that together as a community, it'll be a really wonderful way of uplifting all of our consciousness. And they're gonna be sharing with us Toltec wisdom. Now, to be a Toltec, Don Miguel Ruiz says, is a way of life. It is a way of life where there are no leaders and no followers, where you have your own truth and live your own truth. A Toltec becomes wise, becomes wild, and becomes free again. And I love that it ends with the word again, because the truth is that that is our truth. That is how we came into being, being wild, being wise, and being free. And somehow we lost our way. So I'm going to ask you now, today, just like the theme in 2005 for that program was agree to be free. Can we all today agree to be free? No, I want to, I want to hear it. Can we agree to be free? Yeah. Yes? Yeah. Well, what the heck does that mean, <laughs> right? Well, the thing is that um, everything that we do is really based on agreements that we unconsciously or consciously have set up for ourselves and have set up as a community. In that video, it talked about the dream of the planet. And we have our individual dream that we have agreed into, and then we've also agreed to add to the dream of the planet. So everything that we do is based on those agreements. Now, even the fact that, for example, we've all agreed that that is a chair. And the thing with that is that not only have we agreed that that thing is a chair, but if somebody comes around and tells us that that's a table, we've tried to tell them that they're wrong. And it's a really interesting thing for all of us to sort of create all of a sudden these rules by which we sort of live. And the, the reality is that we can't really get away from agreements. And so the question is, are we ready to agree to new things? Four new agreements is what Don Miguel Ruiz invites us to. And so you've already been hearing about them. The first one is? Okay, be impeccable with your word. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> be impeccable with your word. Say what you mean mean what you say, right? Second one is don't take things personally. Guess what? Other people's stories, not about you. Isn't that great? How free can we be when we truly own that? Today, we're going to be talking about not making assumptions, and next Sunday, uh, Reverend Chris is going to be talking about doing our best. So one of the agreements that we have made, and that Miguel Ruiz talks about, is the agreement to uh, make assumptions. We've decided at some point that we have to make assumptions to survive, to move through life. And a lot of it is actually... um, I think ingrained in us through the domestication that happens as a kid. Um, but I want to ask you something. When do you remember learning not to ask questions? I was, as I wrote that, I was like, well, hold on, in school I was taught to ask certain questions. But it was really interesting. I then realized it was questions based on a specific paradigm with specific rules. Like you could ask questions about this, but only so far, right? When did we also learn that it wasn't okay to not understand. You know, we grow up in a society that in many ways tells us to not understand something is to not know. And somebody who is perfect knows, right? I was uh, in Disney World uh, last week with my family, uh, with my three year old son and my two and a half year old niece. And I was in a really wonderful dialogue with my two and a half year old niece, Ella. She was asking me why, and I answered. And she asked me why again, and I answered. Why? Answered. And it was like about four or five rounds of this. And what was interesting to me is that, all of a sudden, my husband and my sister turned to me and say, "Um, don't engage in that. And I get it. As a parent, I get it, because that why question could go on forever, right? But maybe because I was going to be speaking about this today, it made me think, what does that mean for a -a two-and-a-half-year-old who is asking why to all of a sudden have the adults no longer engage because she's asking too much? As we were doing the meditation, as Elizabeth was uh, moving us through the meditation, it came to me that, especially with that question, why, it seems to me is, at least for me, that I'm very nervous about getting to the final answer. Because if we ask why enough, I think, and it came through the meditation, it's like, why not? (laughs) And we just, there is no answer, and we just get to the core of, it is what it is, right? That's it. And we've agreed that it is what it is. And we're very nervous about that. And so we cut off those questions. Now, um, very interestingly enough, Don Miguel Ruiz in the book actually says that to be wild, to be wise, and to be free, we have to be like two and three-year-olds. I don't know if some of you are following in, that, uh, in the book, but it says two and, two and three-year-olds and possibly four-year-olds. And I thought, possibly, and then I look at what's happening with my son, and he's now three and a half, and it's true. Now I think that he should know better, that he has a better understanding of the rules of engagement, of how he should behave, and so now I am really into, and it scares me to even say this, domesticating him, making him realize what happens, how you're rewarded when you do the things that are good and right, and how you're punished when you do the things that aren't so good or we've deemed not necessary. And it's very hard to get out of the cycle. How many of you are parents in here? You know, we, I mean, it gets me, because I know better and I still don't know better, right? And so um, really, really interesting that, we, um, that I'm experiencing that with my son, Don Miguel says, all the sadness and drama that you have lived in your life was rooted in making assumptions and taking things personally. I assumed that I would be a good father. And I assumed that, and it's a good thing, right? And I assumed that if I was a good father, though, that was that relationship with my son that I was going to get his attention, his love, and everything that I wanted from him. I have to tell you that right now, he's going through not a papa stage, but a data stage where it's all about the other father, Tom, my husband. And it's really interesting for me to know that that's okay, right? That he still loves me. I'm doing all this work. I'm talking about assumptions today. And yet, I still get bothered. It still hurts me. Because it's not just the assumptions that we make that if I do this, this is what's going to happen. It's then our attachment to really believing that. Right? I mean, we can make all the assumptions we want, but if we're not attached to it, if we just recognize, ah, that's an assumption, it may or may not happen. I'm still good whether it happens or not, the pain would not be there. The emotion, I think Elizabeth called it the emotional poison um, that should we show up, wouldn't show up. And so we have assumed the way that we should be. We have assumed the way that others should be. We have assumed how life should be. And when it doesn't turn out to be true, We take it personal, we get upset, and we move from being the judge of saying, hey, you're not doing this right, to being the victim. Why are they not doing something right for me? So, I want to talk a little bit about the main assumptions that I think we all carry. I mean, I may be just projecting, by the way, so (laughs) take that with a grain of salt, uh, because it was very real for me this past week. Um, But I think we all have this assumption that We're not good enough. That sometimes shows up with overconfidence (laughs) or underconfidence, right? Um, We have these assumptions that I need to be more like them or they need to be more like me. At the core of it, it really is this belief, for me at least, that we have to be perfect. And Don Miguel Ruiz talks about that. This idea that in order for us to be rewarded in life, we have to do everything that is good. And little by little, you know, as a parent, I do this. Again, he does something good, I reward him. And so we seek out all those rewards. And at the end of the day, we've created this false image of what perfection looks like. And then if we don't reach that image, which, by the way, is pretty impossible to do because it's all just made up in our minds, right? And so all of a sudden, when we don't reach that, our world can crumble. Um, I mentioned that it was being very real for me. Uh, because this past Thursday, um, Reverend Elizabeth and I were talking, and I'm very grateful that she was in the room, uh, when I had a little bit of a breakdown. Um, it was really interesting. I had a little bit of an emotional breakdown, and do you know what it was about? Scheduling conflict. <laughs> but as interesting and as, uh, as funny as it, uh, it looks like to me to think that it was overscheduling, Um, She came in, we realized that I had given a date to somebody about a special event at Unity on the Bay to be scheduled on, and when they chose that date, after they chose that date, oh wait, I myself had scheduled an event for then. And it became not just, I messed up, I made a mistake, but as Don Miguel Ruiz says, he says, you know, it'd be justice if we um, punish ourselves only once for a mistake, the moment that we make the mistake. But the injustice is that we actually do it over and over and over again, thousands of times. So for example, I had made that mistake, I punished myself for it. You know what was one of the ways that I punished myself for it? Remembering that the day before, I had also lost my wallet for a few hours. And then remembering and punishing myself that the week, a couple of weeks before, I had misplaced my keys. And all of a sudden, it wasn't a mistake, it was I'm absent-minded. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with the way that my life is in this moment. And I just punished and punished myself. And Elizabeth was so gracious to sort of hold me in that moment and ask me certain questions to make me think about it. And one of the questions was, well, is there something going on in your life right now that is different from when you didn't think that you were being absent-minded? Right? My answer was stress. How many, by the way, when you, whenever anybody asks you what's wrong, you literally, I mean, it's almost all the time, stress. Because stress really brings up old ways of being, right? Of these, these agreements that are no longer working for us. But so I all of a sudden had that thought, and it was really interesting how down the spiral I went. It was a fleeting moment, but in that moment, for example, not only was I absent-minded, but it went to, I'm not perfect. I used to be perfect. I used to not be absent-minded. People assume that I'm going to be perfect. My mentor, I literally had this thought, my mentor will be at Unity on the Bay this Sunday meeting with the board of trustees, and maybe they'll start recognizing that I'm not perfect. And this image that I've created for myself, which, by the way... I'm the only one that owns that image, right? Not many people um, necessarily assume that I'll be perfect. It's, it's, it's my own image. It's my own perception of how I should be. But it happened. And I think that it happens a lot for a lot of us to have that um, idea of perfection. And the reality is, is that once we let go of that need to be perfect, it really frees us up to own all of who we are. Um, I was thinking over almost 20 years ago, and this is how touching it was, uh, what my friend wrote. She wrote a poem for a girl that she was all into. And the words of the poem that stayed with me were, I love her because she is far from being perfect. I love her because she is perfect for me. Loved it. And I've remembered it for almost 20 years now, and it has a different meaning as I was putting this together, I realized, What if we actually were able to just recognize that we have seeming imperfections and that's perfect? (laughs) That we are imperfect individuals, and that is perfect for exactly what it is for us to do, which is to really just experience all of life, to evolve. The power of intention, which um, the power of intent, mastering intent, is the, the, what Don Miguel Ruiz calls it, um, is really just living from that place of where we are and acting out from the truth of who we are. Wayne Dyer calls the power of intention um, that evolutionary push, to just continue to grow and continue to expand. And so how perfect is it, actually, that there are things that we can still evolve from and into if we only give ourselves the permission to do that? Um, For a long time, I've thought... Um, that the master, you know, the um, awareness was key. I think even in one of my first talks, I mentioned my favorite quote from G.I. Joe, G.I. Joe, knowing is half the battle at the end of each episode. Um, I'm starting to shift that a little bit. Maybe it's because, as I thought about it, I've been at Unity for over 10 years now, um, and I have a pretty good idea. Elizabeth and I were talking about it. I'm pretty aware of some of my stuff. <laughs> the, the Don Miguel says that we need to move into being masters of awareness, being masters of recognizing, one, our truth, right, who we are as divine individuals, expressions of love, the hands the feet of God, and also being aware of all the beliefs that we have created, all the assumptions that we have created about ourselves and others that keep us from recognizing that truth at all times. I think I'm pretty good with that. I don't know about you, but how many of you feel like you become pretty aware of when you're living out of integrity with your truth sooner than later, right? He then asks us to move into the mastery of transformation. And I think that's actually where I'm really working on. The mastery of transformation is to recognize all those agreements that we've made. That are no longer working for us those agreements that keep us in a box and keep other people in a box and start allowing ourselves to create new agreements the four agreements being um, the four that he uh, recognizes can really have a profound effect on our life and so the power of the mastering transformation right now of not making assumptions of asking questions not just of other people right? Because assumptions, you know, a lot of times in, in my mind, and the book actually goes a lot into the assumptions that people make about us or the assumptions that we make about other people and the power of asking more questions so that we're not assuming and we're really getting what people are trying to tell us or people are getting what we're trying to tell us. But what about the assumptions that we are making of ourselves, right? And transforming that, agreeing to no longer assume certain things, so that when we do have that thought and go down the spiral like I did of, you know, they're going to realize that I'm not perfect, being able to find our voice is what he calls it. And being able to say, that's not my truth. When I'm measuring myself against this image of perfection, and it shows up, that I can find my inner voice and actually say to that, that is not the truth of me anymore. My agreement is to be honest with myself and the honesty of myself is that I am divine created in the image of God and that I don't need to be perfect I can evolve I can shift and I can deepen the ways that I experience life by letting go of those other agreements the third mastery area is the mastery of intent like I mentioned um, just a few minutes ago, moments ago. Mastery of intent, really, he says, is called the mastery of love. And that's just really living from the new agreements that we have made, living from the truth of who we are. He says that the mastery of love is really our legacy, it's what we leave behind. It's being able to break the paradigm that we're living in. It's being able to, when I'm with my son, for example, letting go of the domestication. And really allowing freedom to be how we relate to each other. Freedom to be the ways in which he expresses himself. Freedom, actually, even more importantly, for me to actually express who I really am. Not based on the ways in which I was taught that I felt like I needed to teach, right? And so the mastery of love is our legacy, and it is the way in which we move back into living like two- and three-year-olds, It's the way that we become wild and wise. It's the way that we become free again. We are celebrating Earth Day um, Sunday today. And as we talk about legacy and as we talk about this transformation of our agreements, I actually went to a follow-up to the four agreements that Don Miguel Ruiz wrote. Um, It's called Mastery of Love. And in it, he says, When we were children, we received the legacy of our parents and our ancestors, It's our turn to offer our children and grandchildren a planet that they can live in. We can stop destroying the planet. We can stop destroying one another. It's about creating a new dream. See, we we can't get away from making assumptions. We can get away from being emotionally attached to those assumptions. We can't get away from being within the dream, but we can definitely recreate a dream that works for all that works for all of our relationships, for ourselves, for all others, and most especially because it is a planetary dream for our planet. I love the way he ends that book. It says, we are not in a hurry, but we have no time to lose. Help me to change the world. And so I ask you today to help me change the world. We can change this world, We can change this world. We are not running out of time. We're not in a hurry, but we have no time to lose. Let's change the ways we relate to each other. Let's change the ways that we've agreed to be in relationship and community with each other. And let's really see the possibilities of allowing ourselves and everyone else to be free to be who they really are. Help me change the world. Namaste. Thank you.
1: As one mentioned in his talk, today we are celebrating Earth Day Sunday. And did you know that Unity on the Bay received an Earth Care certification through Unity Worldwide Ministries? Did you know that? Here it is. And it was in the year 2013 that we received this. It says, Unity Earth Care, Earth Care Congregation Program Certificate of Completion. This is to acknowledge that Unity on the Bay has completed the seven steps of the Earth Care Congregation Program and integrated an earth-oriented spirituality into its ministry. Because of this, the truth that God is everywhere present in creation is alive in the minds and hearts of this congregation and has been translated into their daily actions, so we honor Unity on the Bay for its vision of earth care and its commitment to walk upon our earth from the greatest good of creation. This was approved on the seventeenth day of May twenty thirteen. And it was because of you that we were able to do this. Because of your financial giving and supporting, we were able to be part of this program. So I just wanted to recognize that in this moment as we call forth our, our rushers and invite you to prepare your offering this morning. Know that you have been a tremendous part of this, how we are caring for Mother Earth. Because it's not only knowing that, it's about our actions too. So let's say our offertory blessing, bring your offering to your heart space if you feel led to do so. And we'll say our offering blessing together. Divine love through me blesses and multiplies all that I am, all that I have, all that I give, and all that I receive. And so it is. Amen. Together, get up and clap if you want. We're going to make it happen.
0: You enjoyed this episode of the Positive Spiritual Living Podcast, brought to you by Unity on the Bay, a spiritual community located in Miami, Florida. Unity on the Bay is supported by the generosity
1: of its community. If you'd like to make a donation or learn more about Unity on the Bay, please visit unityonthebay.org. You can also
0: follow Unity on the Bay on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter
1: for even more positive spiritual inspiration. Until next time, thanks for listening and many blessings. Namaste.